right. Good morning. Wow. Beautiful faces all around. It's like there should be a, is there a song about that? Like beautiful faces all around. We should start one right now. We should, you want to write a song right now? Okay, you ready? We're not going to do it. We're just messing with everybody. Well, welcome, welcome. If, in case you're trying to figure out who this guy is in this amazing flannel shirt, I, I've been looking for flannels, and I found a flannel that fits me. I have a unique figure, and uh, they don't make shirts well for my type. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No one else would know what I'm talking about, right? So. Anyway, my name is Jordan. I'm lead pastor here along with my wife, my wife, not my wife, my wife, Rachel. Uh, she's actually in the back with some of the kids that are here today. We're getting ready for Kids Church, starting to uh, work on some things and get ready to start receiving kids as we open up more of the campus. Super excited. Anyway, if we haven't met you, we'd love to meet you uh, after the service. And for those of you that are not here, we'd love to meet you as well, for those of you that are trying to figure out what I'm doing, I'm looking at some cameras back there. Don't worry, I'm, it's not my imagination. And I started laughing when the video announcements, uh, when Amanda said that people are watching all over the world and I, or joining us from all over the world. And I just thought, wow, that's a, that's a trip. If I knew more languages, I would greet you in those. But I don't. I'm simple. Right. Someone asked me one time, they said, um, I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but it's okay. They were, when I, was, when I was interning, one of the pastors came to our apartment to check in. It was like a surprise inspection. And in those days, I was not a clean man. Uh, I was clean, like clean spiritually, but I was not clean, like in terms of keeping my quarters clean. And, uh, and so he comes in and he's like, hey, young man, how you doing, right? And, and so he's like, hey, pastor, how you doing? Like, what are you doing here? I came to check in on you, right? Came to check in to see, you know, how, what's going on in here? And so I'm like, okay, great. So he walks in, and he just starts looking around, and he goes, well, you weren't expecting me, you know, and I'm like, I wasn't. And he's like, you should really work on cleaning this place up. And then he starts making some jokes, and he's a really smart guy. He was an engineer before he was a pastor, and so, you know, he's like, every time I speak, meet an engineer, there's probably, there's some engineers in here I know. I'm always like, you're way smarter than me. And so... <laughs> Anyway, he's talking, and we're, we're discussing, and he starts, like, messing with me about, like, the fact that I'm just not on it. And I was like, hey, man, I went to college. <laughs> and he's like, great, good for you. And I was like, I graduated. And he's like, great, so did I, good for you. You should still clean your room. Like, <laughs> and I go, but pastor, I got a diploma. Uh, 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 I got a D. I got a D. Diploma, because he's talking about how I failed in my inspection. I was like, but I got a D. It's passing, right? Like, it's livable. Anyway, that was a horrible... Back then, I was working on my dad jokes, and uh, I am still perfecting them to this day, and the fact that people did not laugh strong on that one lets me know how good I am at my dad jokes. I got four kids, and I practice on them daily, and they don't laugh either. Anyway, hey, if you have your Bible, Bible, Bible let's do this. Let's turn to John chapter 10. And um, man, last week got to listen to or watch the message. We, we were out celebrating our 10-year anniversary, Rachel and I, last week. And it was so good. Geneve, Pastor Geneve brought a strong word. And I, I think what struck me, one of the things that struck me the most, what she was saying, was, was talking about the reality that as we are... Going after the good life, that's the series that we're on, it's not a dualistic life. 
Yeah, I just thought, man, that's so true. And she started bringing up this reality of, of even talking about, you know, when we do things like tithe, like we give God our first and, and we kind of compartmentalize God and we say, okay, God, here's the first part of my day. Here's the first part of this. Here's the first part of that. And then we go, okay, you good? All right. It's going to live my life. I'm going I'm to do my thing now. And uh, that's not the good life. And it's so easy to get caught up and to really get tricked. And today I want to talk to us about deadly shortcuts. There are so many uh, temptations, shortcuts that people try to take in life to experience or to walk in the good life. And if you missed any of the series that we've been on, you can go back on YouTube and uh, go to our channel and you can look that up. Uh, We started a couple of weeks ago, but I want to read John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus speaking, and this is actually the foundational scripture that we use to start this series off, and I'm going to read it. Jesus speaking, and he says this, and I think words are on the screen. Great. That looks good. Awesome. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more Abundantly, I'm gonna pray real quick, and then I'm gonna we're gonna go through this. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word brings life and health to us. Your word brings strength to us. Your word builds life, builds builds our faith. Your word, your word opens our eyes up. And so, Lord, wherever we are, can you just do this with me, just as an act of faith and uh, humility? Can we put our hands just out in front of us right now? It's really like a way of surrender. It's like assuming the position, right? And we. We assume the position of surrender with the Lord, and we just cast everything over to him right now. Lord, every part of our life, everything that we've been pursuing, Lord, in faith, we believe that you have something great for us, something good for us, and Lord, if we've been going after things, trying to do things a certain way, achieve or attain things, and it hasn't been with you, it hasn't been the way that you wanted us to, Lord, you can have it. Shift us today, mold us today, and Lord, just like I've been praying all morning, may we have an encounter with you right where we are, in whatever situation, in whatever place, whatever season we find ourselves in, individually and as a church, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So Jesus is speaking, and he, he makes us contrast between himself and the thief, and we know, we went over this a couple of weeks ago, that the thief is the devil. We went all through the word and talked about and showed how this thief is the devil. But have you ever met a thief that comes into a home or in any place to bless? I have never seen that, right? I've never met a thief or heard of a thief that goes somewhere like, I'm here to give. No, they are always coming in to violate. That's what a thief does. And Jesus is saying, the thief, which is Satan, the thief only comes The only time that the thief comes around is to steal from you, is to destroy your life, and to bring death. You know, people are constantly asking this question. You hear people say this type of stuff all the time. If God is so loving, then why would he allow? If God is so loving, why would he do this? Let me just tell you, Jesus is explaining this right here. That ain't God. And it's really easy because I think it's human nature to... Try to, we're always trying to figure out the why. And so there's got to be someone that we can blame and put everything on. And if God has made these wonderful promises, because we've been told that if you are saved, you'll never, like, 
this is what we've been told. You'll never have any pain. You'll never have any issues. You'll, you'll never struggle, right? You'll, you'll never have any adversity. So once I start to experience adversity, once I start seeing things not working the way that I dreamt of, the way that I've been speaking and declaring it, then God is a liar. Let me just tell you, that ain't true. That is not true. And Jesus is explaining exactly what, what's going on. In other words, he's saying, you have an adversary. You have an enemy that is constantly trying to take you out. And the only reason he comes around, so, and you can almost say like this, if you see anything being stolen from you, if you see any destruction in your life, if you see death in your life, death of a dream, death of a person, destruction in a marriage, job loss, fear, worry, anxiety, division. If you see that, that's not God. That's the devil coming in and he's working. Now, he influences people and so he works through people. He, he, he causes things to happen in this, in this world, that the devil, but, but he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, that's why he came, but the reason that I came was that you can have life. And not just any old kind of life, not the settling kind of life, not the mundane kind of life. I, let me just tell you, for me, I hate mediocrity. Like, mediocrity is, is like a cuss word for me. I don't want to be mediocre. Because nowhere in the Bible do I see that God came to give us life of mediocrity. He says, I came that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Another translation says, till it overflows, a life that's overflowing. In other words, it's not just enough for you. Like, like especially when we're in seasons like we've been over the last year and, and even now, there's this, there's this thought, there's this proclamation out in the world that uh, things are going to be terrible. And, and I'm not saying that things are not bad, that there's not darkness, because there's, there's great darkness right now on the earth in multiple levels and in multiple ways. But what I am saying is that it's not supposed to stay like that. And that's not the words that we're supposed to come into agreement with. See, our words have weight. And if we don't see that Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly while the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, we will fall into the trap and have things stolen, destroyed, things being killed in our life with no recovery. See, Jesus is our defender. <laughs> Jesus is our king. He came to, to bring this life to us. And so we've been talking about the good life and receiving this good life. And it's not everything that we always think it is. It's, it's, not, it's not what the news, I'm going to be bold here, on all sides, regardless of what program you listen to or station. It's not really what the news is saying we're fighting for. They think that's the good life, but it's not. See, we talked about a couple of weeks ago the fact that the, the good life is found in Jesus. It's not just a matter of when you get into the sweet by and by, right, when you die and you go to heaven, but we're, we're supposed to be able to experience the good life with Jesus here on this earth, a life of peace. A life of joy. You know, I love Proverbs where it says that, that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. In other words, makes one whole. That's what rich is. When you see the word rich, rich is not just gaining and acquiring a bunch of material stuff. But rich, being rich, richness is wholeness. If you have a rich family, I have a rich church. I have rich friendships. 
I have a rich life. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it, the Bible says. And people are fighting and tripping out and anxious and worried because they're trying to get the good life. And they think that this person or that person is going to take my good life away from me. But let me tell you, no man can take the good life away from me. No man. I said no man can take the good life away from you. I love when, when Jesus is with Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha. And, and Martha is running around and she's trying to be a good host and she's doing all this stuff. And, and she comes and she starts complaining to Jesus and she's saying, hey, hey, Jesus, can you please tell my sister Mary to get up and help me? She's sitting at your feet. And Jesus makes a statement. This is not my notes, but this is for somebody. Jesus makes a statement to her and he's, he says, hey, Martha, Martha, why are you so worried? I'm paraphrasing. Why are you tripping out? See, see, Mary is sitting at my feet, and she's listening to the words that I have to say to her, and she's found the good thing that no one can take away from her. I love that, that no one can take away from her. Even this morning as I was praying and just spending time with the Lord, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, I like my espresso, I like my Holy Spirit, and I like my Bible in the morning while it's dark. And this morning as I was sitting with my tiny little espresso cup and praying, just sitting, reading. I was just, the thought, the thought started coming of the, the thing that's most important right now, Jordan, is for you and I to just abide. Don't try to chase after a bunch of stuff. Don't try to look over your notes for this morning. Don't, don't start praying about church yet. Don't get into all that stuff. Don't think about what you're doing this week. Don't, don't get into call all that. The thing that's most important and precious right now is that just you and me just have this little, this little bit of time because no one can take that away. It's going to get real crazy in like 15 minutes when everybody wakes up. Just take advantage right now, right? It's going to get real. I mean, it took us 30 minutes to get out of the house today. Like we were thir- we got out of the house 30 minutes late. And we worked it. Like we were working. But when you got four kids, it don't happen all the time. So you need that. <laughs> You need to abide with Jesus so that you can keep your peace and keep that good life. So I want to talk about deadly shortcuts. <laughs> there are no shortcuts to the good life. I'm going to go kind of quick with you in this. So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. I'm going to give you about three shortcuts. This is not exhaustive. And then I want to talk about uh, true ways to an abundant life. And it's not exhaustive, but I'm going to give us a few things here. Number one, a deadly, one deadly shortcut that we've got to be looking out for, be watching out for, is belief that we know the ways of life. There's a trap, there's a lie that we fall into very easily and that the enemy would try to deceive and lead us into thinking that we know what's best. We know the ways of life, that we've got it all figured out, that in our own limited, finite little perspective that we live in. We got it all figured out. We know exactly what's coming up. We have all the perspectives correct, but that's not it. I'm going to read a few verses here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, trust. Everybody say trust. Trust. Come on, say it like you mean it. Trust. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
doesn't say trust in you, trust in the news, trust in what the stock market's like, and trust in the news, trust in social media, trust in YouTube. doesn't say that. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, acknowledge God, and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, there's an acknowledgement that needs to take place that we've got to when we're making decisions and we're trying to move forward in life, especially in seasons where it, it seems foggy. Seems to, anybody feel like we're in a season or you're in a season where things are just a little bit foggy and you're trying to figure out where to go? And, and I've, I've talked to people, I've been there myself, where people are having a hard time making decisions because they're used to being able to see all the steps down the road. And so they're saying, I can't figure out how this is going to lead, lead, lead into the end result, and so I'm stuck. And, and I think the reason that we get stuck is because we're leaning on our own understanding. We're not recognizing that this could be a season and a time where God's not lighting up the whole path in front of us, but instead right now he's lighting up the step. Just take that next step. Just take that next step. You know, in my home in the middle of the night when I get up, I get up sometimes in the middle of the night because I hear things. Right? I'm a good dad, protector, defender. Anyway, I'll get up sometimes or I'll get up to get some water or something. Or like this morning. And I have learned that I have to not just walk like I normally would during the day. But I, I take a few steps because somehow Legos, uh, doll parts, 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 uh, baby tiaras, little crowns, right, I got a little three little girls and, and a little boy, little cars, dinosaurs with spikes <laughs> that I walk in, I step on them. If, if I don't just kind of go, <laughs> and then shift that thing around so that I can move, right, and clear my path. That's what happens when you're in the dark. We're living in a world with much, with much darkness right now where people can't see clearly, and they're trying to race forward like it's normal. And we're in one of those times right now, I believe, where the Lord is saying, just follow my steps. Follow my voice. I'm speaking, and I'm saying, now, now step over to the right. Now step over to the left. Should I do the electric slide right now? No, I won't. I won't do it. But, but there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right. Like, oh, this is what we would normally do in this situation. We should just do it. This, this is what seems the best. Start doing pros and cons and all this stuff. Instead of saying, God, you're the one that's mapped out my days. You know, I love this. You know my, my beginning. You know my end. Because he's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and finisher of our faith, the Bible says. And he knows right where I'm at. And he knows what's coming up. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. And he's showing us things to come. And if we would listen to him, connect and abide and acknowledge and saying, God, you are the Lord of my life. You're the one that when I was in my mom's womb, you were writing out my days in a book. You are the one that has set up and created good works for me that I should walk in. And they were finished and prepared before the foundations of the earth. So I'm going to acknowledge you in this area. I'm going to acknowledge you in the season of fact that you are all-knowing. It's not dark to you. 
you pierce through it. And when your light comes in, in other words, when your word comes through, I can see clearly. So I'm not going to move until I hear you speak. I'm not just going to go on my own understanding because I could be going right off of a cliff and I don't even see it because I can't see that far in front of me. Anybody hear what I'm talking about this morning? Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, the psalmist is speaking. This is King David. And what's amazing about this is this is this, he's prophesying. So he's speaking and, and, and singing this out and writing this out. But it's also God prophesying through him. And Jesus quotes this later on, the same passage. And this is, this is the word of God. And Jesus uses this scripture for himself, too. This is a prophetic uh, verse here, prophetic psalm here. But the psalmist says this, you will show me the path of life. And I love this semicolon because it's about to break that down. This is what that is. You will show me the path of life. Here's the good life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, you will show me how to get there. You will show me the path there. God directed his path to the abundant life. This, is, this was spoken about Jesus in the midst of everything that he had going on and the, the blessed ministry that he was experiencing, speaking to multitudes and healing all kinds of people and delivering people, right? He's bringing the message. He's bringing the kingdom. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says this about Jesus, that he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Why? He needed to connect, and he acknowledged, and he said, Father, I need your direction. I need you to tell me what your will is. I need you to tell me what the path is. John 8, 26 says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, I have many things to say and judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I say to the world only, woo, keyword, only those things which I have heard from him. Yeah, I'm working on that. See, Jesus himself, this is king of kings, Lord, this is the son of God. He didn't even choose the words that he would speak. He had a whole bunch of thoughts. This is the judge, the one that's going to come back in a second coming, and he's going to judge the world, the true judge, the ultimate judge. And he says, there's a bunch of things I think about you. There's a bunch of things I have to judge concerning you. And I'm only going to say what the Father tells me to. Do you see this acknowledgement that even Jesus walked in? He, he understood it's not just about my thoughts, what I think is best, but I need to follow and Walk under the obedience of God. Number two is the easy way. The easy way. Another way that the, the thief, that the enemy steals the good life is by promising to give it to us the easy way. Remember Jesus when he was in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 10. It says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, the devil said this to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. See, Jesus was coming to establish his kingdom on this earth. Satan is known as the, 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 the Lord or the prince of the air. He's the Lord of this age is what the Bible calls him because man has given up their authority to him in the garden. So he's got authority on this earth. Jesus came to get the authority back to us. And Jesus' response to him in verse 10 says this, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, going back to the word of God, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. In other words, I'm going to endure whatever I need to endure. 
I'm, I'm going to allow myself. He knew what was coming to him. I'm going to get whipped. I'm going to be broken. I'm going to be separated from the Father. I'm going to have to take on the penalty of sin. I'm going to have to experience death. He already knew what was coming to him, and he said, Jesus said, I'm not taking the easy way out. I'm going to get everything I'm supposed to for these people that I came for. And I'm going to be with God the Father forever. I'm not taking the easy way out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Because of this, Jesus was able to say this and have this reality. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. Talking about Jesus, the Apostle Paul says this, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Amen. And somebody would be shouting right now, hallelujah, because that's our king and that's the reality of the kingdom that we are part of, that we have a king that has no one that can come and dispute his lordship. No one can really challenge his authority. He's got it all. That's where we live from. And if Jesus would have taken the easy way out, that would have never been said of him. He'd be under submission to the devil just like us before we got saved. Not good. We can't take the easy way out. Number three, here's another deadly shortcut. Being focused on comfort and pleasure. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This one was hard to write down. Focused on comfort and pleasure. Listen, so often we're going after comfort. We're focused on pleasure instead of God's calling on our lives. We ask, I, I've asked the, we, the question far too often the wrong way. God, is this really what's good for me. God, God is, this, is this really what's going to help me fulfill my destiny? Instead of, God, is this the path that you've called me to? God, is this what's going to bring life? And that's the issue that we fall into so often. Or, ah, it's cold outside. <laughs> they got an online service. I'll just stay home and Cook some bacon while I listen to the message. They may not have seen me looking at them because they were cooking the bacon right now, but that's okay. <laughs> listen, you can never attain the good life God has for you by pursuing pleasures. It just doesn't work. In fact, reading this past week, I was struck when Jesus is telling a story in Luke, I think it was Luke chapter 14 we were reading in our daily reading. And, and Jesus telling the story of this master that is calling these people into a banquet. And he sends his servant out, and all these people are making excuses. If I just got married, just bought a field, just this and that, I'm too busy to come to where you are. Too busy enjoying this stuff and checking this stuff out to pursue your will, your want, your desire for me. And it says that the master was angry. So he said, go out. Go to all these other people. They weren't the first choice, but go out and get them. So the servant goes out and gets them, and he says, it's still not full. My house still isn't full. Go out and get more. See, Jesus wants all of his sons and daughters to come home. For God so loved the world that he gave up his only begotten son, 
so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world, Jesus said. And he's given us this great commission to live out our lives, to lay some things down. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, 24. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what's interesting about this? It doesn't say anyone who wants to be a pastor. Anyone who wants to get up and speak and play a role in the church, this leadership role and influence, doesn't say that. Anyone desires to follow me, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be with me in the kingdom of God, that person's got to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. They got to deny some pleasure. They may have to put down some of their own dreams. They, have to, they may have to put down some of their own wants in order to walk with me, in order to follow me. This isn't just about you. This is about other people. That's why I love John 10, 10 in the Passion Version because it starts talking about it overflows, this abundant life. It's, it's to overflow on the people around us. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with more income. Even this is pointless. People pursuing and chasing these things, you're never going to be satisfied with it. Pursuing that, people, people live their whole lives trying to get this and trying to get that and experience this, and they, they, they're not fulfilling the call of God. They're not walking out those good works that God's created for them, that best life, the good life for them, because they think that, well, if I can just have that much money in my account, or if I can just get that position, or if we can just go, if I love to travel. I haven't traveled abroad in about 10 years since I started having kids. Because um, <laughs> we had a kid in our first year of marriage. After we were married, she got pregnant. After, okay, just want to make sure it was all, sequence matters, y'all. Sequence matters. We did it in order, okay? <laughs> we did it in order, okay? It's, we're good, we're good, we're good. Don't worry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> listen, loving pleasure doesn't even lead to wealth, practically speaking. Like trying to just go after, if I can just get that, if I can... Like, right now, we're looking for a house. My wife and I are looking for a house to buy. We've been here for a year. Now we said, okay, we're ready to, to go on ahead and purchase. And as we've been in this process of looking, the question that we've been asking is, God, what neighborhood do you want us to be in for the people around us? Where, where's the place that's going to bring life to us? Now, we have this list, like a Chris, our realtor said, your list is like a, like a Christmas list. I was like, oh, because, you know, so you're excited, but we're going to get realistic. And I was like, but I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. <laughs> and my list grew back up, right? <laughs> he will give me the desires of my heart. My more desires now that you've said that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk on Tuesday. Uh, anyway, we, you know, we're looking, and we got this list, and one of the things that we've committed to is, hey, if it doesn't have all the bedrooms that we want, it doesn't have the space that we want because this is the neighborhood that the Lord would have for us. We're okay to be limited. We're okay to be maybe a little tighter than what we'd like to or that we could because it's not about our pleasure and it's not about our comfort. Though God will give us a good house, he will give us something spacious, he will give us peacefulness, peace in our house, he, he will do it. But we've lived in some crazy places in our years of marriage 
And each time, it's been exactly what we've needed, maybe not everything that we've wanted, but we've been able to be a blessing to the people around us. That's what God wants. The life that's overflowing, it's not just about us. Proverbs 21, 17 says, whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and expensive food will not become rich. I just took my wife to a really nice steakhouse. We went out of state. Um, we, yeah, so we could sit down at a restaurant. And so I took her to a really nice steakhouse, and it was expensive. Food was okay. I was a little disappointed. And I thought, I could have cooked a better meal. Really expensive. You will not become rich <laughs> if you like expensive food, y'all. <laughs> Cook it at home. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's just a whole, okay, that's three things right there. Three, three pitfalls, three, three deadly shortcuts. Let me just bring up two true ways to an abundant life, two of them. There's more, or three, I'm sorry. Number one, generosity. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure, everybody say the same measure. measure. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Don't worry, we're not going to take up a tithe. We're not going to take up an offering right now. This is not what this is about. I know this verse is used a lot of times when people are talking about tithe and offering, but this is talking about living a generous life. Listen, with what you put out, the same measure that you put out, fill in the blank. The same measure that you extend forgiveness. The same measure that you give of your time. The same measure that you give of your resources. The same measure that you give of your prayers, interceding for people. The same measure that you give of your ears so that someone can just talk. It, it's going to be that same measurement that it comes back to you. Maybe not from that exact same source, but it will come back to you. This is the law of sowing and reaping here. Jesus isn't just talking about money here. That's a piece of it. But he's saying, whatever you give, whatever you give, the same measure that you use. I love what Lindsay was talking about with, with the tithe and the, the widow with the two mites. It, it, it's the measure that counts, right? We, gave, we both gave two scoops. Yeah, but, but my scoop's were different kind of scoops than your scoops. See what I'm saying? So, so God, God is, Jesus is, is saying here, listen, the same measure that you use, it'd be measured back to you. You know the friendliest people generally have the most friends? Like if you want, anybody want friends? Like I, I learned this a while ago. If I want to have friends, good friends, I have to, I, I actually have to be nice. <laughs> like, like if I want friends that will be nice to me, I can't be sarcastic to them all the time. I can't be rude to them all the time. I can't put them down all the time. I can't speak words of death to them. I need to speak words of life. I need, if I want joyful people around me, guess what? I need to be a little bit joyful. Right? People looking for spouses, and they're like, I want someone full of faith, and they're loving, and they're fun, and they're nice, and all. And then it's like, and they're none of those. <laughs> You're like, oh, Oh, you have to change. <laughs> Check this out. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. There you go. But there, I love the participation in this room. This is great. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
I got friends that are so close that we don't even call each other friends. My, my kids call them uncle. I have friends that they are, they are, I talk, I refer to them as, hey, this is uncle so-and-so. That's auntie so-and-so. Why? Because we, we have become so close that they're just like family, where we're in each other's weddings and we're praying for each other and we're, we're, we're doing what families do with one another, not just friends of, from a distance. But it says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. If you're going to have friends, be friendly, okay? It, it, they will come. I pro- if, you're, if you're looking for friends, be friendly. If you're noticing that people are rude to you on social media, check your posts. <laughs> Check your posts. Okay, all right. Just ding. Nugget of wisdom. Number two, serving. Number two, serving. The way to greatness is through serving. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. He says, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. I love when Jesus is at the, he's at the, the Last Supper. He's, at, he's, he's with Passover with his disciples before he's, uh, before he's handed over and crucified and he's sitting at this table. We just read this not so long ago, too. He's sitting at this table, and he says, uh, he says who's greater, the, the, the person at the table or the person serving the table? And he's like, the person serving at the table. And then Jesus makes this crazy statement, and he said, this is the Savior of the world, okay? This is the King of kings, Lord of lords, God incarnate, right? God in the flesh, manifest to people. You've seen Jesus. You have seen the Father. That's Jesus, right? And he says, but not so with me, for I came to serve, not to be served. If you want to be great in the kingdom, if you want to be great in anything, hey, men, dads, husbands, if you want honor in your home, serve your home. It got super quiet. <laughs> that got super quiet. Hey, I'm going to say this again, and then every guy that's ahead of a home, you just say amen, right? Because it's like, that's what I do, okay? That's amen, and so be it. So men, leaders in a home, if you want honor in your home, serve your home. All right, I'm going to pray for y'all. <laughs> you were so loud online, I bet. But listen, I learned that a long time ago, that if I really want respect in my home, if I want to feel honored by my family, by my wife, I need to be the best servant in my home. I'm still working on it because my wife is amazing. She serves like crazy, constantly blessed. No, 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 you just sit there. Okay. <laughs> I'll sit. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> I like you, man. We got to talk. <laughs> I do the same thing, and then I'm like, shoot, that was my opportunity. But I'm watching the game. Hey, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, a study years ago showed that the happiest people in the world were those who worked in the service sectors of society, the people that were serving other people's needs. Those were the happiest people in the world, not the ones that had retired, not the ones that had gone after all the money, had gone after all the positions, but they were the people that were serving. You know, the, the happiest people that I come across are those that are laying their lives down for other people. They're, they're constantly putting out. We've, we've got to be servants. Number three, and here's the final point, seek God first. We can come up on keys if you'd like. Or if you don't like, please come up on keys. Listen, if our focus is on God and his kingdom, he'll add everything we need to us. See, people are, people are worried, people are anxious, and even when we're talking about a series and you hear a series title called The Good Life, 
so, so many thoughts probably come up, especially the things that are probably pressing at you the most. Right? I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. And people are, they're searching for, they're searching for relief. People are searching for victory. People want the American dream, what we call the American dream. But if we're really honest, uh, the American dream can be a bit selfish. It has God out of it and no one else in it unless they meet this need in you. Here's what Jesus said, talking about looking or searching or going after all those things that we say that we need or want, that people are just living for. The things that people would would say, I'm too busy to do what God is telling me to do. I'm too busy to spend time with God. I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to wait on him so that he can renew my strength. I'm too busy to get into his presence to experience the fullness of joy, to experience pleasures forevermore, the path of life. I'm too busy because I'm trying to get this thing. I'm too busy trying to have fun. I want that vacation. I want that whatever it is. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have those things, but we put all that stuff in front of really what's going to lead us into a good life. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. You know, when my kids are, are getting ready in the morning or they're looking for something, I already know what they're looking for. They're pretty simple, right? Like, my, my youngest daughter, she really loves her little rainbow dress. When she is running around in just her underwear, doing all that stuff, she's looking for a rainbow dress. Girl looking, she's a little ballerina. She wants to get her rainbow dress on, and then she wants to come up to me like, Dad, watch my dance moves. And then she starts doing her twirling and all that stuff. Watch me ice skate. We ain't got no ice. But she's ice skating, and she's tripping out and freaking out and going crazy, and she's not telling me, one, what she needs. She's just going off, and I'm trying to tell her, hey, if you will go over there, we just washed it for you. And she keeps messing things up and going crazy, and I already know that she needs it. I already know that she wants it. Or, you know, especially the younger ones, they start getting hangry cranky, right? And so they just start tripping out, and they, like, grabbing, like, my son, he's, I don't, I'm like, what is wrong with you, man? He puts his, like, hand in his mouth and starts chomping on it, and I'm like, (laughs) you don't need your hand. You need Cheerios. Like, that's what you need, man. Come over here. I already know what you need. Your father already knows what you need, and he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Listen, if you will just Come over here to me. I have what you need. I'm holding it for you, man. I'm holding it. And that's what the Father, that's what our Heavenly Father is saying. I have what you need already. If you would just seek me out. Seek me out in all of it. Because I want to I be a part of all of it. I'm the one that wants to give it to you. I have it already set up for you. If you would seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. The good life really will be added to you. That dream, that hope that you've been having, that we tried to 
deny God because we think if we give God access to that part of our life, he'll say, no, you're not good enough. Anybody ever had that? Right? Remember as a kid, I would think that my parents wouldn't give me something nice because for whatever reason, I built up a case that they didn't want me to have any fun. Right? That's what kids do. And so then just try to make it happen on my own. And that's what we do in life. We, we try to just make it happen on our own, and we go after these shortcuts. I'm, not, I'm just going to do this, or I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to... And it, we end up finding more death and destruction in our life. We find time being stolen and energy being stolen and even relationships being stolen from us because instead of going after it with the Lord, seeking Him and His ways first, we actually found the path of destruction and death rather than the path of the good life. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to just take a couple of moments and, and a fresh, let's hand like we started the message off. If you, if you didn't do it and if you didn't mean it in your heart, this is an opportunity right now to say, God, I want the good life that you have for me. I'm going to stop chasing and trying to do it on my own and take all these shortcuts. You know, this is why people People have all kinds of issues in their life because they take these shortcuts. I just want the pleasure now so they won't wait until they get married to experience all the pleasures of marriage. And then they end up finding that foundations of their marriage is all jacked up because they had compromised before they ever even got married. Or their finances are messed up because they keep compromising because they think, well, I just won't give to God what is really his and what he said. I won't tithe to him. I won't be generous to that person because if I give that to them, then I won't be able to have this. Not knowing that Jesus has already said, listen, the same measure that you give, it'll be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. I'll give you more than what you gave. That, that, that's the good life. So come on, let's, let's close our eyes. Let's, let's just take a moment individually with the Lord wherever you are, online or in here. Come on, let's just release some of those things. Let's, let's, those, those areas that you know, and I, I believe that the Holy Spirit, as I've been speaking, has been speaking to you about some areas in your life that maybe you've been taking some shortcuts in. You know that you've been doing some things or not doing certain things that really are taking you away from the good life, a life full of joy and pl true pleasures forevermore a life full of peace, a life full of abundance, of overflow, a life of wholeness. Just repent. Say, God, forgive me for doing that. The Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins. So we do that, God. We repent. Forgive us for trying to take shortcuts. Lord, even things that I didn't say today, but you're speaking it to every individual, a shortcut that you're highlighting to them right now, a shortcut that you're highlighting to, to us, to me. Lord, we commit to following your path. We commit to doing this life with you. 
not chasing after what everything in the world says we need to chase after, but to chase after and to go after you and what you tell us to go after. Like we've said for like a whole year now, if you don't give it to us, we don't want it. If you don't go with us, we don't want to go there. We only want you, God. And if anyone listening online or in this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never made him Lord, or maybe you have, but for whatever reason, you know that you have not been living for him. You know that you've been living your own life, and today you know that the Lord is calling you into a good life. He's calling you into salvation, to wholeness. You want to make that commitment for the first time or recommitment. If you're online, just join with me, and we'd love to know that you're making that commitment. We want to partner with you. And if you're in this room right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, just lift your eyes up. Let's make eye contact, and I know that we're in this together. I'm going to be with you. We're going to pray together. all just pray this, mean it in our heart, speak it out of our mouth, whether you're saved or you're giving your life to the Lord for the first time, just say this, say, Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins, to take my place. I thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. I repent. I ask for forgiveness for living my own life, for committing sin. Please forgive me. I thank you for forgiving me. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live this good life, to walk out the path that you set in front of me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, listen, you are now a child of God. Salvation has come to you. Your eternity is set in heaven. But it's not just in heaven that you have salvation. You have salvation here on earth, and you have the opportunity for the ultimate good life. In the midst of chaos and craziness, in the midst of winter, you can be warm. I'm joking with you. That doesn't mean that you're going to be warm in winter. (laughs) Maybe on the inside. (laughs) Listen, God loves you. He loves us. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. We're going to get out of here. And if you're at home, stand to your feet. You need to right now. You know that you need to because you're falling asleep sitting on that couch probably because the music is so soothing as we play. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. It was awesome uh, being with you. If I haven't met you, I'm going to put my mask on, I promise so I can talk to you, but I'd love to just say hi and maybe give you a fist bump or something, whatever you feel comfortable with. And for those of you that have joined us, thanks so much for tuning in. God bless you. Everybody have an amazing week. God bless you.